Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hit Stick Fantasy Football Podcast. I get to be the announcing host today, which is wonderful. Uh, I am your host, Ryan Long, joined always by my best friends, Chris, not the quarterback, Sims. Hello. How's it going? That's going good, buddy. Going good. And my buddy, Seto, over to my right. How's it going? Hey, hey, hey. I'm glad to have you guys here today and glad to have some listeners listening to us today. We have a big show. We got the stuff you guys want to hear mostly, running back rankings. The cream of the crop. The most important position in fantasy football and the one that everyone stresses the most. So you'll get to hear where we stand on certain players and where we don't stand on certain players. Christian McCaffrey is number one. Christian McCaffrey is number one. Yeah, I got CMC one. Good, good. So I'm glad. Got that out of the way. And and that was talking running back rankings. And we'll see you next week. (laughs) Uh, So follow us on Twitter at HitStickFantasy, on Instagram at HitStickFantasy. Send us an email with some questions at HitStickFantasy at gmail.com. We got another one on the way. Do we? Oh, yeah. What do we got? The HitStick Facebook will be launching soon, shortly. Yes, so be sure to join that. Follow us everywhere. Stay tuned. And thank you for being aboard. And without further ado, let's hit the headlines. We've got some quick ones this week. Starting first, tight ends get paid. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, signing multi-year deals, $14, $15 million pretty much each. What does that mean? That means we're not going to have to worry about holdouts and tight ends are going to continue to perform. They got the bag. Got the bag. Uh, other piece of news this week, Lamar Miller signs a one-year deal with New England. Uh, that kind of really throws a wrench into that situation. Yeah, I honestly, I loved Lamar Miller in Houston, and uh, before he got hurt, you know, he put up a 1,000 yards, so definitely something to keep your eye on, watch the camp news, and see who's getting those reps. Yeah, I've actually, I've always liked Lamar Miller. Um, I'm curious to see how it plays out, so I mean, I don't know how into it I'm going to be, but definitely curious to see what happens there. Yeah, definitely. At the moment, I am out of that situation. I don't want anything to do with that backfield other than possibly James White, but you know, Big question mark, so we'll see what happens. And finally, we have Darius Geis being a bad guy, arrested, domestic violence, gets cut practically immediately, and creates a hellhole of a situation in the backfield of Washington football team. AD all day. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing I want to point out really quick, I just want to give a kudos to how the Washington football team handled that situation. I thought that was exactly how that situation like that should be handled. I mean, it was like within 20 minutes of that news dropping, he was cut, which if you're going to act behave that way off the field, you don't deserve to have a job like that where you influence a lot of the younger generation. So that that's one of my big things. I mean, I know we're going to really touch base on this here in our next few segments, but on how there's like the implications of this, but that was a big thing I liked. Yeah, they uh, for an organization that has had a very checkered past as they have, they really did make the right move there, getting rid of him immediately. And I know like it's an easy thing to do for a guy who hasn't played at all for ever, pretty much his entire career. So it's easy to let ties like that go. But props to Washington for doing that. All right, and that's our headlines this week. We kept it short for you guys so we can move on to your favorite segment: hit or miss. I wonder if anybody at home ever is like, when you say your favorite segment, they're like, I hate that segment. Well, <laughs> most people say they actually like that one, honestly. So. Yeah, hit or miss. Everyone loves hit or miss. It plays into our name, and we bring them some hits and misses. I don't think they love hit or miss when their hits miss. Chris, give me your hit. My hit? Are we starting with me? We're starting with you. Give me your hit. Okay, so my hit is uh, Cleveland boy, Kareem Hunt. 
Okay, okay. He is going, uh, let me pull that up really quick. 506, running yeah. back 29. Yeah, he's going in the fifth round, running back 29. I like Kareem Hunt a lot this year. I think this is, uh, a lot of people are afraid of him because of the Nick Chubb situation. I'm not too worried about it. Last year, and bear in mind, this is with Freddie Kitchens. When he took back over that team, he finished out the year as the RB19. That's pretty good. Another thing I really like about Kareem Hunt this year is that he is taking a lot of reps out of the slot. They're wanting to get him utilized more in the receiving game. I'm not sure where Jarvis Landry is. I know that he's expected to be the available week one. We don't know if that's going to happen. But four out of his eight games that he played last year, he had five or more targets. I really like Stefanski. They did a lot of work boosting that offensive line. I think this is a team that's going to be able to sustain two definitely fantasy-relevant running backs. And then my favorite thing about Kareem Hunt is in in the event that something were to happen to Nick Chubb, which I hope doesn't happen because I really like Nick Chubb, this is a league winner. You are, I mean, I want you guys to think right now, I don't want this to happen, but Nick Chubb goes down in training camp right now. Where's Kareem Hunt going in drafts? He's a top five back. He's a top five back. So, and you're getting him, I mean, you're not going to get a player like that in the fifth round that has that kind of like upside right there that has the chance to be the RB one if Nick Chubb went down early in the season. So I just, I really like him. I think that there's a lot of value there and a lot of people are afraid of him just due to the fact that he is kind of like a handcuff, but I, I don't, I don't view him as that. He's definitely he's, flex worthy. Yeah, he's not a handcuff at all. Yeah, for sure. I think that Kareem is definitely like, he's much more than just a pass catcher. I feel like over the past two years, a lot of people have kind of like deemed him like, oh, he's a receiving back, but he has a rushing title under his belt. He was a stud as a rookie. And if he didn't have any of those off the field issues, he'd be a Super Bowl champ right now. And we wouldn't even be talking about Clyde Edwards Lair. So he's definitely a great all-around back. It's all about if he gets enough touches. And I think this uh, new coaching staff with Cleveland will definitely utilize the skill players they got. Yeah, you guys definitely hit the nail on the head with that. I'm going to agree. That's a hit. He's hit, just hit, too hit. valuable. Nice. Finally got you guys to agree with something. Yeah, on unanimous on that. All right, Zeta, give me yours. All right, so my hit's more of a sleeper guy. Uh, we did a lot of running back evaluations this week, so we're going to keep it in running back room. And uh, my hit is a former Cleveland Brown, Mr. Randy Duke Johnson Jr. Mr. Uh, Randy. Randy. <laughs> yeah, I just found out that his first name is actually Randy. It's kind of <laughs> cool, but um, honestly, so I think he's a hit. He's going very, very late. He's going in the you know 10th through 12th round normally, um, and his biggest issue his entire career is just opportunity. I think he's a really good player. He averages over 4.4 yards per attempt on his career. He averages over 9.2 yards per reception, and it's just all about his opportunity. And I think this year... Uh, the Texans' defense is getting worse, and their plays are going to go up. And if Deshaun Watson decides that this is the year finally to throw some checkdowns to the RB, then he's definitely going to be a hit in that like 10th through 12th round range. Uh, but, yeah, it's all about the opportunity for him. Oh, I don't really have any arguments against it, but I also don't have any arguments for it. So so I I don't know how I feel about this one. I I like David Johnson on that team. I think that they – you don't trade, and it's not as much that I like Deion – that I like David Johnson is that you're not going to trade away DeAndre Hopkins and bring on that contract that David Johnson has if you're not going to use him. So I definitely think that David Johnson is getting the first crack. Now, there is so many vacated targets on that team. There's definitely room for them to support two decently good pass-catching options out of the backfield. I just think David Johnson's better in the passing game. But I also, there's just a lot of question marks in the sense that I don't know if I trust David Johnson to hold up. When you first submitted this, my initial thought was to go miss. But when I see him going 
in the 11th round, I don't have much of a problem with it. I think that's that's a good spot to take a dart throw on somebody, especially that's playing behind a guy that's injury prone that could find his way into a regular role. And Duke Johnson has had points in his career where he's been a solid RB2. So I, I'm on the line with it, but for the sake of it, I'll go hit. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard because, you know, Bill O'Brien is putting pretty much all of his eggs into the David Johnson basket. You don't, tra- like you said, you don't trade away uh, DeAndre Hopkins for nothing. Everything he has for the rest of his career in Houston is riding on David Johnson and that offense. And while I don't think David Johnson is what he used to be, he's going to get the volume. So if if Carlos Hyde can do it. Yeah, if Carlos Hyde can do it, somebody in that backfield can. So you're pretty much just relying on David Johnson's health to hold up at that point. And if it doesn't, maybe Duke Johnson does become the stud that he wants to be. Yeah, for sure. I'll just leave it at, I think that even if David Johnson does stay relatively healthy this year, um, I think there's still going to be a role for Duke on that team. I think that uh, what we saw in Arizona last year with David Johnson was still a solid uh, receiving back, but he really lost a few steps running the football. So I think that, you know, not that great of an offensive line, a pretty solid one with the addition of Larry Mitunzel last year. Um, I just think that they're going to be running the ball. I mean, like you said, Carlos Hyde had over 1,000, so I don't see David Johnson getting anywhere near that. They're going to have some rushing yards somewhere that might come with Duke. All right. Uh, I'm a gambling man, so I'll call that a hit as well. Yeah, where you're getting him, it's just it's it's worth taking the dart throw. Yeah. All right. Awesome. My hits, I went pretty high on this one, which I normally don't do for hit or miss, but I went with a first-round guy, possibly second-round guy, depending on where your friends draft him. Kenyon Drake, is uh, he's a stud. He just never really got the chance to shine. Uh, since he went to Arizona for that rest of the season from week nine on, he was the running back four in fantasy football. The dude put up eight touchdowns, put up – he was getting more carries than ever he was going to get a chance to in Miami. I think he's really going to shine now, and with that offense at that high up-tempo, high pace, I think he's going to get so much work, and he's. I think he's extremely talented. So I, I have him ranked as my RB6 right now, which I think is just about as high as anyone has him, and I really do think he's going to be a stud this year. So what do you guys think? I'll start first. Um, me personally, I don't hate Kenyon Drake, the player. I just hate where um, you know where he's starting to go and where he's starting to go. And I just, I just, I don't see that workhorse role for him. Um, he played, he never played a full season as that role. So it's just, it's kind of nerve wracking for me. He's never been over uh, two hundred carries. We don't know how durable the guy is. You know, he definitely has explosiveness. He has very explosive plays, um, but he's just. A, a more of a question mark, I think, than a sure thing. Um, so when I'm thinking about my top 10 guys and my running backs, you know, it's either they're a for sure thing or it's a little bit of a risk, but they have the potential to be like a top three guy. And I don't know if I have Kenyon Drake up there. So for me, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, you and I have shared a lot of the Kenyon. We've been very aboard the Kenyon Drake yeah. hype train this yes, offseason. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And for me... I think it's actually a lot more safe. And my whole point on that is I factor in a lot more than just the player. Do I have some concern about him holding up for a full year under a full workload? Absolutely, because it's something I've not seen him do. But I've also seen him – it's something I've not seen him do for a full season. But I've seen him get that that workhorse role a few times, and I've seen him do great things with it, and I've never seen him really struggle with injury. If you just started the correct Arizona running back last year every single week, you'd have wound up with a running back three on the year. So – Cliff Kingsbury has a mentality of just a fast-paced offense, 
of moving the ball, of being on the field and running a lot of plays. This opens a lot of dump-off passes, which Kenyon Drake is very good in the passing game. He makes a lot of his money in that department. He also, they have so many weapons that that, you you can't it's similar with like you can't stack the box against them cuz you got Hopkins, you got Kirk, you got Fitzgerald. So I think he's a good runner. This is a running back I've been very high on since he came into the league. I I also have him ranked as my RB6. So I can't I can't tell you that I disagree <laughs> because I have him there. So I'm going to definitely go hit. I'm all over Kenyon Drake this year. Yeah, last thing I'm going to add to it is um you guys know my opinion on running backs, especially first round running backs. They either have to be the creme de la creme elite runners or have to have a little bit of a passing upside. Um, once he went to Arizona, only had 35 targets. And I could just, you know, I know that was only like half a season. I think it was only eight games. But with DeAndre Hopkins coming there, I don't see him getting to that 70 target mark because he's a, he's a target hog. D-Hop is a, literally a target hog. And I know they're really balanced out there. I just, I don't know. I just, I could see him definitely finishing higher than what I have him at. But I think it's a more of a risky pick. Yeah. Well, last year he had like the third highest average per game fantasy points for that time that he was in Arizona. So I'm going to, I'm going to trust that and carry that forward. I think he's going to be very good this year. I agree. I'm going to go. What's his ADP at? 112. He's the running back 9.5. So he's pretty much the turn. I'm going to go miss because I think he's going to be a, more of an RB2 than a top 12 guy. No. Yeah. Well, thanks but, for But that. he still has the potential for sure. Way to screw up what was a perfect We had a good thing so going. Far. We had a good thing going. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just not on the Kenyon Drake fucking or Kenyon Drake train. Yeah, well, ride your own train then. I'll just move on to my miss because I'm not even going to talk about it at all. And I kind of cheated this week, but I made my miss the Washington football team backfield because the Geist news dropped. And now there's a big question mark on who's going to be the lead guy, whether it's going to be AP, AD, old dude, probably not. He's 40 years old. The man can't hold up. Bryce Love, who knows anything about him? And then the darling Gibson, the one that everyone's super curious about, the guy who touched the ball like 70 times in college and nobody has a clue what position he's going to play or how many times he's going to get the ball. I don't want anything to do with that backfield. Gibson's the only person I have a slight interest in, and with the way his stock is rising in ADP since the guy's news, I'm staying far away from that as well. So I don't know how you're going to say that Adrian Peterson can't hold up when the guy is like trending to be the next Frank Gore and he doesn't really miss games. I don't really want him. He's going as the... So let's break down the ADPs here of these guys. I loved Antonio Gibson. I still do. I'm not crazy about what this news is doing to his ADP. He has pretty much overnight shot up from being the last dart throw pick in your draft because you take in like the 16th round to being at the ADP 806 RB60 off the board. I think he's very explosive. I know that we're going to talk about him a good good amount in the next section of our episode here because of some things that I believe. Running back rankings. So, but... So I'll save that for that. Adrian Peterson, I don't really want too much of him. If you're one of the people that goes zero RB and that's your, that's how you like to play the game, I think that he is a decent target for you in that 11th round because it is somebody that's going to get carries. I personally, I don't want to ride on that train. So I'm not really going to do that. And then Bryce Love, the other guy that maybe benefit out of there. He's going undrafted. He's the RB87. I kind of feel the same way. I really don't know too much about him. I don't really want to gamble on that. And I know J.D. McKissick's there too, which... And Peyton Barber, I think, right? Yeah, but nobody cares about Peyton Barber. Nobody cares about any of them. So, but I don't... I don't know. I think there could be some value depending on it, especially like when you look into factoring starting running backs, but it's it's definitely some murky waters. 
So you're going to call that a miss? I'm going to opt out of answering on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for me, I'm going to go more in my analysis a little bit later with Gibson, but I'm just going to go with miss because I don't want a share of any of those guys. All right, awesome, awesome. Who wants to go next in their miss? I'll go. All right, let me read what you got. All right, so for my miss this week, um, I decided to go with a running back from one of the best running teams in football, Mr. Marlon Mack. Um, Marlon Mack daddy. So for my main reason why I just, I don't, When I was doing my projections and stuff, Marlon Mack was a lot lower than I thought he was going to be. I think that him and uh, Jonathan Taylor, like I said last week, definitely going to split some reps running the ball. I think they're going to – and he's also not going to get any targets or any receptions with Naheem Hines and a younger Jonathan Taylor. I just – he had a lot of games with over 20 touches – over 20 carries last year. I don't see him getting to that once this year. So I just think that his position, you know – like his situation is where I I don't want any part of it unless I can get Jonathan Taylor a little later. All right. I really can't make an argument against that because I talked so highly about Jonathan Taylor last week. I do think Jonathan Taylor is going to become the lead feature guy there, and then Mac will be put off as that off pace, just kind of bring in to get some rest for Taylor guy. But Mac is also beneficial when he's on the field and when he's playing behind that line. If anything were to happen to Taylor or if Mac just happens to be better right out of the gate than Taylor, he could be a stud. So – I'm going to have to say hit. Yeah, so, I mean, when you're running behind that offensive line, I've said it, you basically, you pretty much just have to be mediocre to have relevance. Um, I'm not crazy about Marlon Mack, but when you get into the seventh round, there's not really many running backs that have that kind of upside. Because I agree, if something happened to Jonathan Taylor, he at that point skyrockets up. So I'm going to have to agree. I'm going to go, it's a hit there. Yeah, for sure. Last thing I'm going to leave it on is kind of like I explained Jonathan Taylor last week. He has to compete time with Jonathan Taylor running the ball and receiving the ball with Naheem Hines. So I'm just going to try to stay away from those like three-headed monster backfields. I completely get where you're coming from on that. I do. But like, I just think that if depending on how your draft shakes out, you could find some value there. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, Chris. Okay, so my miss for this week is somebody that um, I'm very surprised, honestly, at where his ADP is. This is a guy that's going in this – very back end of the second round. He's the RB15. He's got a brand new home this year. I'm talking about Todd Gurley. Ugh. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about that, too. So when you break down Todd Gurley last year, was he fantasy relevant? Did he have a better year than some people expected? Absolutely. It was very much on the back of touchdowns. 12 touchdowns yes. running. And then another two, I think, on in the air. Yeah, you would know all about that because I traded him to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so... <laughs> But he's, he's just very touchdown dependent. If you look at pro football focus and the way that they have uh, broken down the Atlanta Falcons offensive line, they rank 24th in the league. That's not very um, that's not a very good stat line. This is also a defense that's been struggle. Although, you know, and like the one thing I want to point out is, you know, I even pointed it out on the quarterback episode. I very well could be wrong on where I ranked Matt Ryan because this is a team that more often than not wants to throw the ball. And when you break down like, the fact that everyone's so excited for his pass catching ability, he's the fourth target on this team. He's also he's just as new as Hayden Hurst, so I don't expect him to bump Hayden Hurst on that line. You can't tell me that he's going to get more targets than Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones. This is a team that also struggles to carry the ball in in between the ten zone. Like the, you know, they had they had ten carries last year inside the five yard line. The year before that, they also had ten carries, and then. Going back into the whole pass catching side of it, he's very inefficient with his targets. He's not like he's not that good when it comes to it. Pro football focus again, 
they ranked him out of like receiving options. He was 132 out of 137. Yeah, that's disgusting. It's so bad. And it's just a team where I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball as effectively as they want to because it's just not the way the team goes. And it's just not, they're not, like we guys pointed out previously, they're not in a division that favors that. I want nothing to do with him. Plus, on top of that, just the cream to the, just the, the cherry on top of everything, he's got an arthritic knee. He's a ticking time bomb. At any moment in time, he can be gone. So, it's just he's completely in a void for me. I would take him in the fifth round, but he's not going to the fifth round. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to agree with you on a lot of those points. Uh, he had 3.8 yards per carry last year. That matches exactly what the uh, Falcons averaged last year. So he's not moving into a better situation. He's moving no. into a worse situation with a worse run-blocking team. Either he's going to be run into the ground immediately because he's on a one-year deal, or he's going to be held back a little bit just in case they're a good team and they want to carry him into the playoffs type of team. I don't see any situation where Todd Gurley finishes anywhere near where he was at his peak. He's only what twenty six years old. Yeah, he's around there. I think he's twenty. Yeah. I think he's twenty five. I think he turns twenty six this year. Yeah, so he's still young. He's still spry. And kind of. While that knee knee is an issue, I don't think that's really going to hold him back in Atlanta. But I just don't see a situation where the team is good enough and he's better enough to finish where he's being drafted. See, for me, I disagree with a lot of those points. Um, I think that his situation here is a lot better than the Rams. I don't think he has as much competition as he did in the Rams. And Atlanta always throws to the running backs, whether it's Devontae Freeman, whether it's Tevin Coleman. Whoever's there is going to get some targets and some receptions. And when Todd Gurley was healthy, that man was elite. And I think that those PFF stats you were talking, Chris, were last year specific, right? That wasn't his career. That was like last year specific. It's from last year. For sure. And I definitely thought that Todd Gurley had a step slow. Um, he they didn't get, did not get used as much as, um, you know, everyone was thinking last year with like that three-person backfield they used. Um, but I just, I think that he, sh he showed potential to be, you know, an elite running back. And he's still, he's still young. He's 25 years old maybe 26 now and he has that ability to break off a run and take it to the house at any moment and I disagree with you saying that he's the fourth option I think Hayden Hurst is definitely the fourth and he will move into the third probably um I just think that he has a lot of opportunity Atlanta's gonna be throwing the ball a lot they're gonna be on offense a lot because their defense is atrocious and I just I like where he's going right around that 15 16 17 spot yeah but he's going in the second round you're comfortable making Todd Gurley your second picked player no, I probably would not be taking him that early. If he slid to the third um, and there wasn't any big receivers I liked, I would I would definitely think about it because he, he's he been a top three running back before. And, you know, Frank Gore, when he first came into the league, he was out for like two or three seasons with a knee injury. And after that, he really, you know, he's 37 years old and he's still playing. So Todd Gurley could very easily not get injured the rest of his career and play till he's 34. You know, so it, it's it, injury is always a, a questionable thing, but I don't always want to bet just specifically on the injury. No, no. But with a pre-arthritic, like that's not that's, like injury. Yeah. That's like, you know, genetic. Yeah, I, like, I think it's more than I, I agree. I don't like to factor an injury, but like it, this is something he already has. I'm just going to leave it on this. The one thing that all you said that I want to point out. I think he has more competition in Atlanta than you're giving him credit for. And for whatever reason, I don't understand why, but like the Atlanta Falcons for like three years now have been trying to make Ito Smith a thing. And I don't, I don't get it. And they, there's already been talks out of their camp that they believe there's a lot of inside people in that team that believe Brian Hill should have got the next chance to be the guy rather than even bringing in Todd Gurley at all. 
So I don't know if somebody wants to take that risk, that's on them. I want nothing to do with it. He is a one. He's by far the biggest miss that I've pointed out in my opinion so far. Yeah, definitely a miss for me too. I'll disagree. I'll go hit. All right. Had to shake it up a little bit, so. All right, and that was hit or miss again. Thank you for that. And we are now going to move on to what you've been waiting for, our running back rankings. All right, so we're going to get started first. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to go through our 1 through 10, uh, and we're each going to give that and give our explanations for, you know, any kind of grievances that each other has for it. Then we'll go through 11 through 20 and so on and so forth. So that way you guys can see where we got our guys and the issues we have with them. So starting first, of course, CMC 1, I got Saquon 2, Zeke 3, Alvin Kamara 4, 5, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and wrapping it up with Aaron Jones. Chris? All right, so um, my first is a shocker, Christian McCaffrey. Then I got Zeke coming in at number 2, Dalvin Cook rounding out at number three, Saquon Barkley at four, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming in at fifth, Alvin Kamara at six, Kenyon Drake at seven, Derek Henry at eight, Josh Jacobs is my RB9, and then Miles Sanders rounding out my top ten. All right, and for mine, my first four are the same as yours as well. Christian McCaffrey at one, Zeke, Dalvin Cook, Saquon round up four, Alvin Kamara at five, Kenyon Drake at six, Chubb at seven, Derek Henry eight, Aaron Jones nine, and Miles Sanders ten. I feel like we just showed up to work wearing the exact same outfit. We did. With the exact same top four. We look super good. (laughs) All right, so let's get started. How in God's green earth are you going to have Saquon Barkley ranked lower than Dalvin Cook? Zeke, understandable. You know, he is one of the best backs in the league. Could pop off this year and become a number one again. But the Dalvin Cook is where I am very, very concerned. Um, I don't think you need to be concerned. When Dalvin Cook was on the field last year, I think he was on pace to be the RB2 if he would have played the full season, right? It was around there. It was around there. He was yeah. putting up points at a high clip, and he's the only thing really they have going for them in Minnesota on the offensive side. You know, Kirk Cousins is not a air-it-out type of quarterback. They lost Diggs. I know they just drafted Jefferson, so maybe he's good, maybe not. We'll see. And Thielen, he's getting up there in age. I think Dalvin Cook is the focal point, and he's going to get all of the work. Yeah, and I just want to be a snob here and point out that Zeke has never been the RB1. He's been very close, but he's never actually done it. Hopefully this is his year. Yeah, but he has the skill set to do it for sure. I'm just being an asshole. I definitely agree. So for me, and like the one thing I want to point out, and I know that like Seta, you and I feel a little differently on this. Like when I look at rankings, I don't base them as the holy grail of everything. Like it's not what I'm like. For example, if Dalvin Cook plays a full 16 games, and that's what I'm basing this on, I think he's going to score more than Saquon Barkley. I don't know if I trust him to play the full 16 games. So on draft day, I probably would take Barkley before I took Dalvin Cook. But if you look into the facts, Dalvin Cook is the focal point of that team. Dalvin Cook, he can do it all. He can run through the tackles. He can catch passes. He's not dealing with a new coach situation with Jason Garrett. He's got a better quarterback situation right now. Daniel Jones is emerging, but I still like Kirk Cousins still, he's not a great fantasy quarterback, but he is a good quarterback and they just know how to use him. He's the whole team. So I think that if, as long as he's on the field, he's going to be top notch. Yeah. And that's not to say Saquon isn't the focal point of his offense because he is. Absolutely. It's just, if I had to put the two head to head team wise, I would take Minnesota over the Giants offense any day. And Dalvin Cook, I think is just as talented as, well, maybe not just as talented as Saquon, but just as efficient on the field. Yeah, for me, I just Saquon had an unreal season last two seasons, and he had over ten touchdowns 
in both of them. He had fourteen or he had he had thirteen touchdowns last year, and but he only had two in this prior two seasons. So I just I think he's definitely going to see a huge touchdown regression, and I think that the Vikings team as a whole is going to be a lot worse. I think that they're going to be forced to throw the ball more. I think that their defense got insanely worse. They lost their two starting corners in Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes. They lost their best pass rusher in Everson Griffin. And I just think that they're going to be having to pass the ball more. Not saying Dalvin Cook isn't the like a good receiving back, but I don't I wouldn't consider him a great receiving back. And I just think that his TDs are definitely going to go down. All right, well that's how you feel. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you at all for that take at all. I mean, I definitely, like I said, I would take Barkley over Cook just in the the risk factor because I trust Barkley to play more. But I, I don't blame you for coming at us on it. It's definitely a bold take. Yeah, I have them like statted out pretty much ten points apart. They're as very it is, close, so it's pretty much take. They're within pick. four points for me. It's two ninety two for Saquon and two eighty or two ninety two for Cook and two eighty eight for uh, Barkley. Yeah, so I can't really make like a big counter argument for you there. So. Uh, my big question I want to ask is, Chris. Here it comes. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at five, a guy who has never seen an NFL football field, a guy who's not going to get a preseason, who's not going to get a real offseason, and you have him all the way at number five. State your case. Choo-choo. Jump on the CEH hype train with me. It's a fun ride. I'm telling you, it's, it's a great thing. So, and I've already stated a lot of points for why I like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I have a lot of more points as to why I like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I've already stated it's a very potent passing offense. With a, it's gonna, he's gonna have a lot of scoring opportunities. I have no reason to not believe that this is a guy that can score double double digit touchdowns. He's gonna be near the goal line often with that Andy Reid led offense. When you look at what Andy Reid does with running backs, I want to break down. Uh, this is we've talked about Edward Solaire a lot, so this is basically I'm gonna make my final stand here today. Either you guys are gonna jump on this train with me. Or you're gonna stay off it, in which I prefer you guys to stay off it. We're honestly, all off it. We are. Off I it. want him. So, but I have a good amount of research here just to make my final stand here. So, if you go back to 2017 and you just look at Andy Reid's success rate with running backs in general, knowing that this is a running back that Andy Reid wanted to have in 2017, Kareem Hunt's rookie season, he finished the year in half PPR as the running back four. That was when he was a rookie, very similar situation. Spencer Ware went down, different reason, but he still went down. And this was without Patrick Mahomes. I want you to bear in mind that Kareem Hunt was a third-round pick. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a first. I know draft capital is not everything, but that does mean something there. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, in my opinion, has three-down capability. He was drafted to be that. Mahomes and Andy Reid, the staple of this franchise, handpicked him. And then I want to keep going down the list here of Kansas City backfield history because it's always such a fantasy-relevant position. In 2018, when Damian Williams took over after Kareem Hunt, keep in mind, was dominating as a top-five running back all year long, but then for personal reasons he had to leave, and Damian Williams finally took over. Over the last four games of the year, he put up 17 points, then he put up 27 points, then he put up 21 points, then he put up 12 points totaled out 72 fantasy points to round out that year in the last four weeks. If you want that over a 16-game pace, he would have been the RB5 on the year. So now let's get into 2019. This was a very, very shaky year for them. They had a lot of issues at the running back position. They couldn't really keep anybody on the field. They basically, and I even took Darwin Thompson out of this mix just just for the sake of the argument. I'm looking, if you take Damian Williams... Shady McCoy, 
and Daryl Williams fantasy points, and you put them all together, they equal the RB2 on the year. <laughs> so you see a trend here. Like, this is the point. Is like, it's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I really like the talent of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But I think this is one of those situations where if you can, I mean, we say it all the time, opportunity is king in fantasy football. That's a staple that everyone knows. And if you don't know it, you learn it quick when it comes to this game. But when you mix talent with opportunity, that's when you get top five. I believe in Clyde Edwards Hilaire talent. And I know with Andy Reid, the opportunity is going to be there. They didn't bring him there to not use him. Defenses cannot focus on this guy because Patrick Mahomes is the focal point of that team. I just I have no reason to not see the Clyde Edwards Hilaire breakout. Hey, uh, you have good points, and I can't really argue it because Andy Reid is the running back whisperer. He always puts up top backs. My only worry, like I said, is the lack of practice, the lack of knowing what he can do on an NFL field. I don't think I could put him that high. I have him ranked as my 13 right now, which we'll get into later. But as the five overall, you're putting him over guys like you have him over Kamara. I do. You have him over Derrick Henry. I don't see him finishing higher than them this year, but I do like the talent and the possibility. Well, he's got more, like, he's got it both. Like, he can do the things that Henry can't with the pass catching, and he can do what Kamara can't with running through the tackles. But Andy Reid also, when it comes to pass catching running backs, he spreads the ball to the running backs. It's not always just one guy. He spread, like, all four of those guys are going to get some work. But those other guys aren't that efficient. And then they're not, but they're still going to get the work. He'll, he'll handle all the carries. He'll handle that workload. He'll get, I, I don't know exactly how many carries I haven't statted out for. He'll be a very good top running back. I just don't see the full workload, especially for a young guy without much knowledge yet, you know? Yeah, for me, I, I somewhat agree with Chris. And as I'm looking here at our rankings, um, I'm actually more bullish on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even though I have him less in our less down in the rankings. I have him scoring more points. So I'm going to actually agree with Chris, and I think he's definitely going to be a solid player. Um, but what Ryan just pointed out with having a lot of those other really young, really athletic, uh, really catch-happy guys in the backfield, it just makes me a little nervous. Yeah. I can understand where the nervous comes from. But, like, you know – you were nervous. A lot of people were nervous Zeke's rookie year to take him in the first round. It panned out for you. A lot of people were nervous. I mean, not as much Saquon. Because Zeke was, was the fourth overall pick. But it's still, he was still a first-round pick. And, and generational talent. You know, I, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is generational talent. I like the player a lot, and I like the system even more. He would have went much higher if he was generational talent. He would have, like, Saquon went number two. We know what Saquon was going to be. Yeah, but I think these teams are 10. learning from taking running backs so early because you get such a short shelf life out of them. And they, a lot of these running backs, running backs the easiest position in football to translate to from college. It's it's not. Probably, yeah. So I'm not as worried as you are with the lack of a preseason and stuff. If anything, I think that's better for him in the sense that I don't have to worry about him getting hurt in those preseason games. I don't know about that. You know, I mean, practice builds toughness. It builds durability. You know, you need those practice reps to get that little bit of wear and tear on you before you well, start the he's season. He's going to get that in training camp. So I, I understand your point for not being on him, but I'm all yeah. bored. On and the it's not that well. I'm not on him. Like I have him as my, he's like my son, my 13. So he's my first RB two. Like I'm high on Edwards Hilaire too. I just, to have him up that high, just, I can't do it personally, but I can see you made good points. So I'm going to have to, I like what you said. And uh, what else do we got here that we want to talk about? Well, Miles Sanders and Joe Mixon as your five and six set up. 
I like Mixon at six. I don't have him there, but I like I can see a world where that happens. But Miles Sanders as your five, please explain to me. All right, so I really like Miles Sanders. I really like Joe Mixon, and I think they both are very similar type of guys to where they're, you know, they're going to be the workhorse there. They're going to get most of those touches, and you know, last year Miles Sanders he played very very well, had over over eight hundred yards rushing, and you know, added. 50 receptions, and that with a terrible, terrible Philadelphia Eagles defense that they like their defense is definitely going to be better this year, which means more rushing attempts for him. Um, and I just think he's going to be that full workhorse, and he has that skill set and the ability to take that jump into the top five. Um, for Joe Mixon, I just I just think he's a stud. I mean, the dude, he, he's very, very good. And with the running backs, the top 12, they fluctuate a lot. So it's, it's, it's a lot about who's going to have that good season now. And the man's only 24 years old, and he's ran for 1,000 yards past two seasons. And I think their offense is just going to be a lot more efficient this year. So I'm all aboard Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders this year. Yeah, I'm not as off about the Mixon part. Like, I, I can see a world where that happens. I think he is going to get the full workload. He's going into it. It's his contract year, right? Yeah, he's a holdout threat for this year. Yeah, so you got guys, and especially in a big free agency year where you got running backs like Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, all those guys coming off, and they're going to be potential free agents. They want paid. They're going to play to blah. They're going to play like they're going to try and get paid. So I think they'll either run him into the ground or give him that contract and run him into the ground even more. I think Mixon will get the full full workload, especially with a rookie quarterback. I can see a world where he's a top six running back. So it's funny you and I are completely opposite because like. I see a world where he's right on Miles Sanders. I, I don't agree with it. It's not where I have him, but like I, I think Miles Sanders could be the RB5. I think that could happen. I don't see Joe Mixon. So if you want to debate Miles Sanders, you can go ahead, but I want to debate Joe Mixon. My only debate against Miles Sanders is Doug Peterson, and he's a big running back by committee type of guy. I know Miles Sanders is his guy. That was what I was going to say. And he, I do, like I said, I have him as my 10. He is. Do you think Wendell me. Smallwood was going to be the bell cow there? No, but Boston no. Scott. No, I love Boston Scott. No. I like Boston Scott. <laughs> no, I know it's not, not as much as Miles Sanders. Have you watched the Eagles like camp at all? Talk about Miles Sanders though. Like they're flat out embracing the idea of making him a workhorse. Like they're saying, like we don't want to limit him to a certain like and like the amount of touches that they don't want to quote unquote limit him to is absurd. Like they're like we don't want to limit him to like twenty five touches a game. I'm like. Please as give him twenty five touches a game. I, I am not knocking the talent of Miles Sanders. I love Miles Sanders, the player. I. Like him and Kenyon Drake, I was watching highlight film on the other day, and both of them, I'm just like in awe. Just like, how have these guys not? How are these not the RB one and two? <laughs> just watching them because Christian I'm watching McCaffrey highlights exists. and they're they're only good plays, but just the way they find holes and the way they're they're just so shifty and so good. So I do I do like Miles Sanders. This is not a knock against Miles Sanders. This is just a as a top five guy. I want to see more first before I go and put that tag on him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for my opinion, though, you you got to be bold if you're going to get those guys. Like, if I wait till next year, and you know he's projected number three and all across the board, you got to have a top five fantasy. pick to get him. Yeah, exactly. So I just I like where he's at. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more ahead than normal ADP on him, um, and I hopefully I get him a lot in my teams. All right, and he's, uh, he's a guy I want on my teams a lot too. Now I want to talk to you about Joe Mixon because it's and it, it kind of goes for both of you because. And I know we're going to talk about the second guy a little bit later here, but I just don't understand how you guys have Joe Mixon so much farther away from a guy like Josh Jacobs when they're essentially the same exact player. They're both 
very talented. They're both extremely capable in the passing game, but both very limited by their team. Last time I checked, Giovanni Bernard is still in Cincinnati. Still and, is, yeah. So, and like, I, I really broke it down because Joe Mixon's a player that I've been really paying attention to, and I, I love the talent, Joe Mixon. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about the player. They did just boost that offensive line. Yeah, they get their first-round pick from last year back at left tackle. Yeah. They'll and be fine. I like what I like how they use him on the goal line. I think that he's going to get a lot of goal line work. I do see a world where Joe Mixon's a phenomenal player, but I'm not going to throw away the first half of last year when he was literally droppable and the biggest waste of a second round pick all year long. I don't think what we saw at the end of the year is exactly what we're going to see this year. They were down a lot of receiving options on that team. I'm expecting something kind of in the middle because they. They got AJ Greenback, who I'm rising on. They just drafted T. Higgins. There's plenty of options there, but and Boyd, don't forget about the best receiver on that team, Tyler Boyd. Oh, he's like the fourth best receiver <laughs> on that team. But okay, we can talk about that. We can talk about that on receiver day. No, but, no, but we we all know that uh, rookie quarterback's best friend is his running back, right? I mean, is it though? I mean, because if I mean, if usually, running back or tight end, they're I, dump offs. I, I'm curious to see how they're going to use Burrow. Though. And then the other thing that I don't like about Joe Mixon is. He plays in a division that's probably the best against stopping the run. Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore are three of the best run defenses in the league. Six of his 16 games are going to be against those teams. So I'm not saying it can't happen, but to me, Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs are very similar, and I don't think that – I don't want Joe Mixon – Ahead of guys like um like I, I would definitely want Miles Sanders. I definitely want Kenyon Drake. I definitely want Derrick Henry. I definitely want those guys over Joe Mixon. I mean, but that's just me. I have some re- and, and my whole point is that it's Giovanni Bernard that just eats away his passing work, and I don't understand why. It makes no sense to me because Joe Mixon's phenomenal. If you gave Joe Mixon a bell cow role the way that Zeke or Saquon has, I think we're talking about him in the same tier as Zeke, CMC. And Barkley. Yeah, but so, maybe he makes that step this year. All right, maybe. so real quick, I, I agree with most of the points that you guys were saying, you know, about the opportunity, and, you know, it has to be something where he has to get more targets, more receptions. I completely disagree about the Josh Jacobs comparison. I think that's very ignorant of you to even say. That's Mainly, you hate Josh Jacobs for yeah, some reason. There's no he, Josh Jacobs hate here. I think there's the, a lot of Josh yeah, Jacobs I hate here. Ja- I hate Josh yeah, Jacobs. Yeah, fuck Josh what, Jacobs. What, what, RB, but, um, what RB do you have him? Um, if I look over here, I got him at 15. So for my main thing with Josh Jacobs is that dude had 27 targets last year, uh, with a very, very terrible, one of the worst scoring offenses, one of the least amount of plays per game. Joe Mixon had 35 receptions. So he had more receptions than targets than compared to Josh Jacobs. I think that's ridiculous to even say that they're the same. And, uh, you know, he is in a good division with good teams. But those are some of the games where he has his best games. Last year, week 10 against Baltimore, 30 carries, over 100 yards. And against New England, he had 25 carries, 140 yards. Two of the best defenses in the league. So I don't find that at all. I think with the coach speak that just came out this week where the more you get touches to Joe Mixon, the better he gets is very true. And I think that this is the year that Gio Bernard completely falls off. He's like 28, 29 years old where like a lot of the other guys compared to Josh Jacobs are very young and they just brought him in this season. Yeah. And like, like I said, I definitely, 
see a point why to like Joe Mixon. I just, I don't like him that high. And if you, I mean, I have a lot of points to talk about Josh Jacobs. Since we're on him, I can go ahead and make my last stand on him. If you guys want me to knock that out of the way. Oh yeah, we'll get that out of the way before our next 10. So go ahead. Because it is happening. So, I mean, and like, all right. So since we're here and I made the comparison, Josh Jacobs is a player that I have really dug deep on. This is a player I've done a complete 360 turn on. I started the year, I was very high on him. And then as the year moved forward, I dropped on him very hard. And then as it got back around, I am now, again, after really doing the research, incredibly high on him. And I think that he's very similar to Joe Mixon. This is a guy that has first-round draft capital. He was taken in the first round. He's also part of John Gruden's scheme. John Gruden picked this guy. So you know he wants him there. I've watched a lot of videos of John Gruden talking about him. I've watched a lot of that. John Gruden was pissed. And when I say pissed, I mean he was pissed that Kyler Murray won Rookie of the Year last year. He thought that was a complete injustice to Josh Jacobs. He has vowed to get Josh Jacobs more involved. And if he gets Josh Jacobs more involved in the passing game, Josh Jacobs has potential to be a top five running back. This is a guy that is a beast on the goal line. He has excellent ball carrier vision. He's somebody that can, he's patient with his runs. I've watched a lot of highlights on him. I've watched a lot of slow-mo, just a lot of stuff to really like see. And his division also favors the run. When you look at the fact that two out of the other three teams in that division have young quarterbacks that are going to be in slow pace mode and are going to be coming on. But, and right now I'm talking a lot about what ifs, but my whole point on Josh Jacobs is it doesn't even need to be the what if. If Josh Jacobs comes back the same as he was net last year and doesn't get gets the same amount of passing work, you're still looking at a great running back. So I want to point out something because this is something I found that was very interesting. Josh Jacobs missed three games last year. It was basically the last three games of the year. Correct. He was nursing a shoulder injury, and he went out. He finished as the half PPR RB18 with 186 I'm, I'm sorry, 181.6 points. If you factor in those other three games that he missed. He averaged about 13.96 points a game. He would have finished in half PPR as the RB9. So I'm not going to project injury into this guy. I think even if you're looking at the exact same Josh Jacobs that we saw last year, you're getting that RB8 to RB12, which is great for where he's going, especially with a guy that has potential to put up double-digit touchdowns because he's great. He had 21 attempts inside the 10 zone, and on those 21 attempts, he converted 71.4% of those. He was an RB1 or 2, 61.5% of the time last year. And I know that sounds low, but that's right below Nick Chubb, somebody you guys are incredibly high on. So I just think that this is more – I think you guys are too low on this guy. I definitely think he's an RB1. I definitely think John Gruden has him in his plans, and I think that he might try to get, and that's the thing. If if the world exists where he gets him the pass-catching volume, he's going to excel into that top, I'd say top seven. Now, I'm not arguing against him as a RB1 talent. I'm arguing against that as a bad team. That's a bad offense. They've got Jalen Richard. He's going to eat up a bunch of those running back targets. Derek Carr is not a good quarterback. He's the only weapon they really have right now. Well, and and the other thing I wanted to point out is that for you talking about, for as much as you're talking about Jalen Richard, and I definitely agree, he's definitely a pass catching specialist. They also just vacated 108 target or 108 rushing attempts with the departure of DeAndre Washington. I don't think Jalen Richard or uh, Bowden's getting those. I don't. How many attempts do you have him statted out for? 
Jacobs. Um, Jacobs, where do I have him statted out? Because I've got him for 265. See, I have him for more. I think Jacobs, like I've said multiple times, is an elite runner. I have him rushing the ball 285 times. 288. Yeah, I've got him for 265. I'm three less than you. 1,200 yards. For his targets, I have him at 35 and his receptions at 21. A little bit better than last year, but still terrible. I got him at 33 receptions for 285 yards. 35 receptions. 240 yards. How are you so low? How many yards do you have him for? Receiving yards, I have him for 240, and rushing, I have him for 1,200. I have him for 1,330 yards and .85. And seven touchdowns on the ground. I got 10 touchdowns. See, See I, that's where we mark our differences then. It's not that I think that Josh Jacobs is a terrible player. It's where he goes and drafts, there's just something I just I can't get my head wrapped around getting someone who's completely game script, game script dependent. All right. And that rounds up our top 10, and we will now move on to our 11 through 20 picks. All right, for my 11 through 20, I start at Joe Mixon at 11, Eckler at 12, Edward Tiller at 13, Fournette, Jacobs, Bell going down to 16, David Johnson at 17, Chris Carson at 18, James Conner 19, Melvin Gordon 20. And for my 11 through 20, I got Nick Chubb at 11. I got Joe Mixon at 12 as the last of the RB1s. Aaron Jones as the perfect RB2 at 13. Austin Eckler at 14. Melvin Gordon, his old uh, backmate at 15. James Conner, my boy, at 16. Le'Veon Bell at number 17. Then we got Double C, Chris Carson at 18. David Johnson, 19. And Leonard Fournette rounding out the top 20 here. All right, so for my 11 through 20, I uh, get started with Kenyon Drake at 11, Levian Bell at number 12, Derrick Henry at 13, Austin Eckler 14, James Conner, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt, and finishing off with the Rook, Cam Akers. All right, so who wants to start with some debating here? We'll have to start with the first obvious one, Nick Chubb at 11 for you. You don't have him as a top 10 back. Yeah, I use this like a explain myself kind of thing. Yeah, kind of, I mean, I can see it, but I also can't see it. He's the best running back in the league. That's oh that's, wow, that's not hometown bias. That's, that's, that's just no, fact. that's not hometown biased at all. You fact. just called Nick Chubb the best running back in the league when you got Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, and uh, Saquon Barkley in the same league. But okay, <laughs> yeah, he's still moving on. We're gonna ignore that. So this one was tough for me. I. I don't have a lot of negative things to say about Nick Chubb. I love Nick Chubb. I think that they did a great job boosting that offensive line. I really do like Stefanski. I've been, I mean, for a Steelers fan, I've been very about Browns players this year, and I I like him. I think Nick Chubb's one of the rare players that is outside of my top 10 that actually could finish as the RB1. I think that's something that I could see him do. The only reason I have him at 11 is just because, like, all the other guys in front of him don't have Kareem Hunt behind him, and... I don't think Kareem Hunt's got, I'm not really worried about Kareem Hunt like eating into him, but like at the same time, I know he can. And I know Kareem Hunt's very talented. And I, he has like, for example, like we're talking like, you know, Giovanni Bernard with uh, Mixon, but Mixon is definitely the better player. We're talking about maybe Josh Jacobs gets more patch, pass catching work. Miles Sanders commands the pass catching. I know Nick Chubb has no passing upside. It's, it, that's all Kareem he Hunt. Has, he has passing upside, but he. When there is a back like Kareem Hunt there with you, he's not getting it. Exactly. And that's the point. So, I mean, it's not. I, I don't have too many negative things to say about him. I love him. If I can get him as an RB, as my RB two, I'm in love with that. Yeah, but, but I don't see a world where that happens. Well, in, around in Cleveland, with the Cleveland leagues, probably not. But in like normal ADP, that's something that's actually been kind of happening. So I mean, but mm. it's um, you know, I mean, it definitely it could vary. I, I I understand why like somebody that 
really is high on him would be like, how do you have him there? But at the same time, I could definitely see him finishing there. So Yeah, I disagree completely with the non-passing upside. I get Kareem Hunt's good. I get he's going to get some targets, but that was also with the worst coaching staff in the history of NFL. With Freddie Kitchens, he completely went one-dimensional, running the ball with Nick Chubb, passing the ball with Kareem Hunt. Kevin Stefanski's not going to do that. He's going to mix it up. Every play is going to look the same, and Nick Chubb's still going to get some looks target-wise and reception-wise. He averages over 7 7.7 yards per, care, or per reception last year, and his rookie year was 7.5. He's definitely going to have good – he has a huge motor out of the backfield, and I think he's definitely going to have some of that upside. Plus, he is definitely one of the best runners he is NFL. one of the best runners. I agree. I just don't think with a guy like Kareem Hunt, you're going to be seeing him get more than 30 targets this year. I just don't see it. Yeah. I don't see that world. And these rankings are for half-point PPR. I don't know if we mentioned that at the top, so that's why some of these things fall where they do. Uh, another thing I do have an issue with on your list, Chris, and it's not really an issue. It's not too far off from where I have him, but Aaron Jones at 13. Are you that worried about A.J. Dillon? Are you not predicting them to be that good on offense this year? What? It's more than that. I mean, I'm worried about A.J. Dillon, but I'm also I'm worried about Jamal Williams. And it's LaFleur does not care about your fantasy team. And LaFleur has made it very well known that this is his team. He's basically put a big middle finger to Aaron Rodgers and basically saying, you know, we're going to do what I want. I don't think that I know for a fact. I mean, I can't say no for a fact, but I really believe we're going to see a heavy touchdown regression. Well, you have to. What did he have? 16 to 20. 16 16. rushing touchdowns and three receptions. Yeah. And so I statted it out. And if you. If you subtract seven touchdowns, which is what I did, I still and I still have him for nine touchdowns on the ground. That's a very, very, a very respectable number. If you stat him, take those away. Last year, he would have been the RB seven. Factor in that they did add AJ Dillon. I don't. I definitely believe they're going to get all three of these backs involved as long as they're there, which is going to bring down a little bit of his totals. And then the other thing that really pushed him down for me is just what we're getting back this year. And my example is we're going to get a full season, hopefully, from guys like Alvin Kamara, from guys like Kenyon Drake as a full workhorse, from guys like Miles Sanders as a full, as a workhorse. You guys know how I feel about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. These players are going to get full seasons, hopefully, barring injury, which is just going to push him down a little bit because he's in a committee and there's nothing changing that unless he gets out of Green Bay with the floors. So I really like him. He's the perfect RB2, in my opinion, because he has RB1 upside. Yeah, for me, I really like Aaron Jones. I think he's definitely going to see a lot of TD regression, like you said, but I think he's going to take over Jamal Williams' role as a pass catcher for this team. I think A.J. Dillon's going to move more into that goal line role, um, so that's where the TD regression might come. But I think he's going to see a huge jump uh, when it comes to receptions and targets. Uh, You know, Jamal Williams was a solid player for him last year, but he's already been talked about through camp about trying to find a new home, trying to he might get cut and, you know, this, this and that. And I just I don't see him being that involved this year. Um, And I just see Aaron Jones getting a lot more pass pass happy. Yeah, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. It's just, I mean, a player can request a trade all they want. Let's look at I mean, look at how that worked for David Njoku. And if it's not going to benefit the team, they're not going to move him. And as long as all three are there, I don't see the floor not using them. Yeah, I see him using all three of those guys, but Aaron Jones, you know, he's a peacock. You got to let him fly. He, uh, <laughs> The way he showed out last year and really exploded onto the scene, he was the RB2 overall. Like, you can't knock production. And while I do agree with touchdown regression. A lot I of that. That was all out. on the back of 19 touchdowns, yeah. though. I am stated out for 12 total this year, 10 on the ground, 2 in the air. I think he's still going to be that feature top guy. 
And I think Dylan is more of an insurance policy. He's there to be the bruiser. And he's also there to be if they can't work anything out with Aaron Jones. Well, and like, and Aaron Jones is the player. Like, it, what I just said about uh, Joe Mixon, I feel even more about Aaron Jones. If you put Aaron Jones in Dallas where he's the bell cow, I think we're talking about Aaron Jones the exact same way we're talking about Ezekiel Elliott right now. I think he's a phenomenal player. It's just, I'm not going to bank on there not being regression there. That's really all it is. I do love the talent in Aaron Jones, though. All right. Uh, Issues so, with my list? Yeah, let's move on to one of the more outrageous rankings of the day, and that is Mr. Leo Fournette I at RB14, Ryan. I got one that's a little more outrageous, yeah. but we can start here. Yeah, let's uh, let's start there. So my whole thing is Leonard Fournette had like 70 catches last year, had like 100 targets, but he averaged Which he the did worst – Yards per reception almost in the league. Like, the guy averaged, like, three yards per reception. That's unheard of. Like, that is terrible. Most running backs are in that, you know, 7 to 10 range yards per reception because they don't get as many, but they do break out a lot. So I see that workload getting cut in half. I think he's definitely going to be the runner. I think he's going to have a couple more attempts, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are probably the worst team in the NFL. They're going to be passing a lot. And like we brought up last week, uh, Chris Thompson's there with Jay Gruden. Pure pass catching back. They drafted LaVisca Chenault, who is one of those, you know, gadget guys who's going to get some of those targets in the backfield, some in the slot. And I just see his targets and receptions literally getting cut in half. Yeah, where I have him at is not strictly based on his receptions. Like I said, I have him cut down to 50-something catches this year, so I'm not predicting him to have the same year he did in the air last year. The thing is, he averaged his highest yards per carry last year than he has in his career. He had the career low in rushing touchdowns at three. And he was still the RB7 in PPR leagues. The dude is a good, talented running back. And he, for right now, he is the guy in Jacksonville. While Gardner Minshew, I don't know if he's going to find him as much in the air this time. He's still They're still going to run the ball. Like, the offense is going to run through Fournette for this last year on his contract. Whether they move on from him or extend him or whatever they decide to do. This is Fournette's last year to be the guy in Jacksonville. And I still think he's going to be productive. Yeah, and I, I touched base on him a lot last week when I made him my miss. Um, I pretty much agree with everything Seta said. Chris Thompson's a big part of the reason why I believe that um, you know, he's going to take a big dip. I definitely don't see him being up there. The last thing I want to add to everything that wasn't touched on is um, are you not concerned at all with what this team has shown us that we're not going to see Leonard Fournette be traded by the deadline because they pretty much wanted anything they can get for him. So tell me a team, because I do agree with you. I think he's talented. So tell me a team that loses, you know, Joe Mixon goes down and the Bengals by somehow are in playoff contention and they can give up a, a fourth-round pick to get back in playoff contention for Leonard Fournette on a one-year rental. Tell me that that doesn't happen. I'm not going to say anything against it. Like, it could be happening, but maybe it's a better thing for him to move on to a different team. You know, what if he, like, ends up in Washington? What if he ends up in Miami, like, taking up spots there? What if he ends up in New England? Like, what? Like anywhere he can go, he'll be the lead guy there. For now in his career. He's only 25 years old. He was a top five pick in the NFL draft. Do you remember the physical freak that was Leonard Fournette coming out of college? I love Leonard Fournette. I just, I don't love his I situation. Hate, I here. hate his situation too. That but, defense is too bad. You know, I so. think, you know, setting a new high in yards per carry last year and a career low in touchdowns and still finishing that high, like his best fantasy finish, almost his best fantasy finish, depending on which uh, scoring format you play. I still think he can be a very, very efficient guy. That's fair. So, but you know, that's how you have them. I definitely disagree. So let's uh, move on over to something that I think is even more absurd than this. Seta, I got two in a row here. I want to know 
A, how you have Derrick Henry at 13, and B, how do you have Le'Veon Bell ranked above Derrick Henry at RB12? All right. Well, this is an easy answer. Um, Pass catching volume, right? Yep. Le'Veon Bell still has a terrible rushing season last year. Only averaged 3.2 yards per carry like we went over. Um, Still got a ton of targets. Still got a ton of receptions. And that's a good floor for him to have. If he comes back and averages even 3.7, 3.8, 4-point yards per carry... He's going to shoot up the boards, and he's going to destroy his ADP. And with Derrick Henry, like, I, I just don't see the Titans being good, straight up. I, I don't think the Titans are going to come back and be that 9-7 and team that they were last year, and I think they're going to be losing a lot more games than they were last year, and that means him off of the field. You know so what? that's where I come on with Derrick Henry. I think he's definitely probably, in my opinion, he's 1-2 in just rushing ability with Nick Chubb. But I think Nick Chubb has way more passing upside. So I don't think Derrick Henry has anything. And, and you know, that, that makes a lot of sense because that's something I've been saying to a lot of people as I talk football throughout this offseason. You know, if you don't believe in Ryan Tannenhill, you don't believe in Derrick Henry. Because before Ryan Tannenhill took over that team, Derrick Henry was the RB14 last year. So I do understand your points. I just, I believe, as you know, we believe in Ryan yeah, Tannenhill. I believe which, in him as well definitely changes my opinion I just think to have him at 13 he is a guy that is guaranteed to have 300 plus touches and he's got that high touchdown upside and he plays in probably the worst defensive division in football outside of the Colts because I do like the Colts defense but that Texans and that Jaguars defense is atrocious exactly so and do you have anything to say on Derrick Henry because I'm going to jump into Le'Veon Bell here really quick. um you pretty much made my points for me the dude gets the most volume the most carries out of anyone in the league he's a bruising back where you don't want to tackle him no you don't and that run they went on Tennessee to end the year and to going into the playoffs like there's no reason to be well, against Derrick I like the Derek coaching Henry. staff, too. I think Vrabel's exactly. a good coach. Yeah, and he Vrabel, Vrabel was on Henry. the hot seat last year before that season. Like, he was literally one of those guys who might have gotten let go. How can you not season. be on the hot seat and when the, Marcus Mariota exactly. is your starting You finally got your quarterback. Finally got your quarterback. Yeah. Marcus you really, You bad. really think Tannehill is, like, their answer? I think Tannehill's, yes. For that yeah. team, yes. Yeah. Because he's he's slightly better than a game manager, which is perfect for them to let them play defense and feature their dominant tank of a running back. Do I, I can't think, wait till Tannehill is so bad this year, along with the Titans. Can't wait. Well, my dynasty team hopes you're wrong on that. So. All right, what else do but, we have issues with? Well, so this is funny because I, I've really looked into this, and um, this is another player I've kind of come full circle on. I'll give you guys a little uh, spoiler alert. Le'Veon Bell would not have been my hit this week because I looked into a few things, and I just – I love the player. I love the talent. I think if you put him somewhere, he's amazing, but it's just Adam Gase, and it's just that opening schedule is brutal. And, I mean, if you just look through history, I don't want to spend too much time in here because we've talked about him so much. Just look at Adam Gase's history with red zone attempt with like 10 zone attempts for running backs. It's god awful and it's it's Adam Gase. It's literally everywhere he is. This is where this is the same number. So, it's just I don't know. I I like the talent of Bell. I definitely think that if you is in any other situation, he could be in the top 12, but I I'm very concerned with him in New York with Adam Gase. Yeah, I made my points last week with my missed segment, so you know how I stand on that. Uh is that all for our top 11 through 20s? Yeah, I'll get moving with our 21 through 36. Starting with DeAndre Swift, Leonard Fournette, Mark Ingram, David Johnson, Double C, Chris Carson, Rojo, Devin Singletary, JK, 
Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert, Philip Lindsley, JT, Jonathan Taylor, Duke Johnson, AJ Dillon, Jordan Howard, wrapping it up with Zach Moss. Chris? Okay, so for my 21 through 36 to round out our top 36, I got Mark Ingram, Marky Mark coming in at 21. Then I got Todd Gurley at 22. Jonathan Taylor at 23. We got David Montgomery at 24. Ronald Jones at 25. James White. Then we got Kareem Hunt. Cam Akers at 28. Devin Singletary at 29. Roheem Mostert at 30. Jordan Howard, one of my fan favorites, at 31. DeAndre Swifty at 32. Antonio Gibson, my boy, a.k.a. CMC Light, at 33. <laughs> we got Matt Breed at 34. Tevin Coleman, 35. And rounding everything out, Tariq Cohen is going to be the last of the RB3s. All right. And for mine, I've got Kareem Hunt at 21. I'm the highest on him. David Montgomery, 22. Mark Ingram, DeAndre Swift. Todd Gurley is my 25. Jonathan Taylor, Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert, Jordan Howard at 29, Carry On at 30, James White at 31, Akers at 32, Philip Lindsay, Ronald Jones, Tariq Cohen, and ending it at 36 with Tevin Coleman. So I want to get things started here. Set up. Please explain to me why Melvin <laughs> Gordon is at 29. Yeah, how in the world do you do that? Uh, for me, I just like I I think we talked about this a little bit with Sutton last week. I think their whole offense is a question mark. Um, they still have Philip Lindsay, who's rushed over a thousand yards the last two seasons. Didn't show too much passing ability or catching ability or anything like that. Where Melvin has a little bit of that upside, um, but I have them set it out pretty similar, and they're only four points away. I think that Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay is going to be one of the like the main 50-50 times. You really in the do NFL. have them as like a split. That's- yeah, I noticed that too, and that's that's what I figured your answer was going to be. And you know, if that's how you feel, I understand why you did that. I just for me. I don't have any belief that that's how it's going to go. And as you can see in my rankings, I have Melvin Gordon all the way up at 15. I don't they brought Melvin Gordon in on a 2-year, 16 million dollar contract, which out of that 13.5 of that million out of that was guaranteed. You're not paying somebody like that to not use him. He only played 12 games last year and he still finished as the RB23 on the year. He's been a top 10 back 4 out of the 6 years that he's been in the league. They have no money invested in Phil Lindsay. He wasn't even signed by this regime. It's not, you know, I think they would if they really wanted Phil Lindsay to be a part of this team, they would have put money into extending him rather than put money into bringing in somebody that's historically been as good as Melvin Gordon. I just I don't see a world where Melvin Gordon's not taking at least 65% of everything a running back does in that system. Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. I'm not as high on him as you are, Chris, and I'm not as low as him as you are, Seta. I have him as my, uh, what did I say, 20. I do think he's going to be their their main guy, their feature piece of that offense, like with Drew Locke being the quarterback. I just I don't know how good that team can hold to pretty good running backs. I do think Lindsey's going to get his share. And but Melvin Gordon's just too talented to not be a top twenty back. So I have a question for you, Chris. Yeah, go ahead. What's your thoughts on Mr. Austin Hooper? Austin Hooper? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's good. And you you don't think he's gonna be productive this year, correct? Not in Cleveland, no. So why is the money more associated with Melvin Gordon but not with the tight end? He's clearly the third highest paid tight end in the league. So I don't think you can always just 
follow the money. I think every situation is different. And I think when you have a guy like Philip Lindsay who has shown he can run the ball, he's shown he's very good on the goal line, I think that there is, there's still going to be use in there. So I agree that most of the time when you pay a lot of money into somebody, you know, they want to use them, they want to get their money's worth. But if Melvin's not that, you know, top five running back that he has been in the past, Philip Lindsay's still going to get some work. And that's where I just, I don't see their offense being as productive as a lot of people seeing. I think they're going to have a lot of games where, you know, they might win 13 to three or, you know, it'll be a 17, 14 game. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring. So, yeah. And like, I, I don't know. For me, I think that they would have done something to extend because Philip Lindsay is not making anything. And I think they would, if they really wanted him to be part of his plan, I think they would have put some money into them rather than going out. I mean, and I agree, you don't always want to follow the money. But my other case to that, Melvin Gordon's actually good. Like, Melvin Gordon has always been a good running back outside of his rookie season. Every year that he's been in, I mean, he's not the most efficient back, but he's got a nose for the end zone, and he's very talented. He's also he's also very underrated in the passing game. This is a guy that had 42 receptions last year, and that's on a 12-game season. He had 50 receptions in 18. He had 58 in 2017, and then he had 41 in 2016. Philip Lindsay's not had more than 35 ever in his career. And I know that here's my question. Here's my counter question to you. How many shares of Philip Lindsay did you have last year in fantasy? Zero. And that's why you feel the way you do. Because if you had Philip Lindsay, it was a very bumpy ride. He might have had 1,000 yards, but it was not a fun 1,000-yard season. It was very up and down. It was very – you. it wasn't a fun – you know, it, I don't want to repeat myself, but it's just – it wasn't consistent. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it. I just – I feel like that's the Broncos, though. Like, I, I don't think that – you know, adding a piece like Melvin Gordon is going to just make them consistently a good offense. I think that I don't either. Their conference is going to be, you know, they're they're going to get whooped on a lot, and that's just I, I just think that Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon are going to have equal shares of that team. Well, and then the other thing before I let Ryan jump in here is that they did just put a lot of efforts into boosting up that defense, and I think that defense did. And, and like they're one of the teams that actually surprisingly competes with every team in that division. Like they're the team in that division that gives Kansas City a run for their money. Every game when, when Kansas City plays them, it's close. It's a lot closer than you think it would be. And with Drew Locke, a young quarterback that I think they want to bring in right, I do think they're going to lean on the run, which is why I think Philip Lindsay's going to get some work. But I'm I'm looking at a 65-45 split. All right, uh, I have a quick thing I want to bring up about Seta's rankings. Uh, this was kind of untalked about beforehand but Chris Carson is your 25 yeah that shocked me too me and Chris both have mid 18 and I think that's really only because of the injury history but there's no doubt that Chris Carson no matter what Seattle tries to do to bring in a new back to be the guy Chris Carson always comes out on top that man he was an RB1 last year he's highly capable highly efficient I don't see a world where he's not a top back if he stays on the field I just think that they've made a couple additions in the offseason to bolster that running back room I don't know if he's going to get that bell cut work. And also, too, um, you know, we, we got the the signal from the Browns. Jarvis is good to go. Um, you know, with Alshon, he's still on the pup. I haven't heard anything about Chris Carson. He may still be injured. Like, who knows if that man even can play week one? Well, as of a couple months ago, he was on pace to be ready for week one. And, I mean, I think no news is good news in that situation. At yeah, everything I'm on. seeing is that he's going to be available for week one. And that's why I have him where I have him. Because I agree, if he plays... Pete Carroll does love this kid. I mean, he has a big love hate relationship. Yes, he with does. Him. The man, I know he drops the ball a lot. He's a big fumbler. And Pete Carroll's threatened many times to take it away from him and give it to someone else. But 
the dude just scores. The dude just runs and beats up the defense for Russell Wilson to take over. It's just he is their guy until a new person comes in. So whether that is a Devontae Freeman, whether they draft someone next year, but we know Penny's not going to be healthy this year or ever. We know Carlos Hyde isn't a real threat, even though he had a career career year last year in Houston. Carson is still the guy. He's still the workhorse, the feature. I want all the shares of Carson, and I have all the shares of Carson pretty much in our leagues, and I can't see him being that low. 50% you, you so have far. 50%, but you have him as an RB3, and that I, I don't see a world where Carson on the field is an RB3. And I, I made him as my miss, and I don't have him as an RB3. And I still, I mean, I've, I've rose on him a little bit since then. You know, I always preach definitely uh, be adaptable. And, um, so, and if he's if he has the bell cow role and he's taken, I definitely think that my opinion on him changes a little bit. But I think RB25 is just a little bit too low. Yeah, I just I think he's going to be solid the first few weeks of the season. Um, I'm just worried about when Rashard comes back straight up. When Rashard Penny comes back, you know, that split last year for him was right when Chris Carson was struggling. And it turned into like a 48-52 split for Carson. And Rashard Penny is a great pass catcher. So that just limits his upside, in my opinion. All right. Understandable. Uh, who else has some points to get across? Who else has some beef to go uh, here? I think my one uh, criticism of Mr. Chris, and I think Ryan as well, was uh, James White. I do have James White as my RB26. As your RB26. So no. you have him at 26. Ryan has 31. him at 31. So that's a little bit lower. Um, my whole thing with James White is... who You don't even have him in your rankings, do you? No, no. He's not even in the top 36. Nope. Which is, I, I have a bigger problem with that than I do I with agree. where Chris has him. I just think that James White was a clear product of Brady and Brady only. I don't think he's going to see nearly as many rushing attempts, nearly as many targets. And I think that that team... Honestly, I don't think the Patriots are going to be that good. I know if Cam comes out and he starts playing very, very well, um, the team could be a little bit better, but they lost a ton of people on their defense. And I just I don't see James White having that same role that he had with Brady. Do you want to go or me? Because I have lots of points on this. Uh, my point that I could side with you on is we've touched on it earlier with the Jeremy Hill news. or I just don't see who's going to be the guy in that backfield. There are so many heads to feed. Jeremy Hill is not in that backfield. Lamar Miller, that's my fault. I'll keep that in. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's me losing my head. I don't. It wasn't me for once. (laughs) It wasn't you for once. I don't know what's going to go on in that backfield, but the one constant that you can count on in New England is Julian Edelman's going to get 150 targets and James White is going to catch almost 100 passes. Like That's just how that system works. We know. I know you say Tom Brady, you're worried that he's not going to be as efficient because Brady's not there. I'm on the Belichick side of the is it Brady, is it Belichick thing. I think Belichick will run his offense through a guy like James White. He will be, and we saw what Cam Newton can do with a pass catching back. I mean, they yeah. make them efficient. So I, I trust that James White will be very usable, flex-worthy this year. Uh, Chris, you're super high on him, so what do you got for me? I am very high on him. The only thing I don't like about him, honestly, is his ADP at 6'11", but... I like the player a lot, and I like that the team likes the player a lot, which that means a lot in New England. They, I mean, Belichick's made him a team captain, and he is diving into that leadership role. Uh, if you look back into James White's history, since 2016, he has not had less than 70 targets in a year, and that's only one year where he had 72. If you take that year out, he's not had less than 86. Another very positive stat for James White. He has one fumble in his entire career. Talk about a Belichick darling there. We've seen what Cam Newton can do with running backs. He's very good at utilizing passing to them. And there's not a lot of weapons there. So I just don't – I 
have no reason to not think that James White's going to get peppered with targets. I agree with you, Seta, that I don't think this team's going to be as good as a lot of people do in the past, especially because half of their defense has opted out due to everybody knows what. And, you know, it's – he's game script proof because he gets a lot of targets. So I think the targets are going to be there for him, and that's why I have him as high as I do. All right. And yeah, I just feel like no one feeds the RBs like Brady does. Like any anytime Brady – had an RB that was like a quick pass catching guy. Everyone jumped on it when it, whether it was Corey Dillon or whether it was Dion Lewis, like those guys are irreplaceable. Like are, those guys are replaceable. Sorry. That was bad, bad word. But, but for like, now, James White is that guy. For, and wouldn't you want to, but be how that? long did those guys last in new England? Like one to two years and they were gone. James White's almost 30 years old and they got a guy who's 24 years old and Damian Harris who they drafted in the third round has great speed and he could very easily just walk right into that yeah, James White role. You can't bring up draft position when you're talking about a New England player. You can't. That doesn't. And, and the other thing, Belichick I mean, I, I, Belichick that. loves him, and he's not. It's not like James White's getting paid a lot. You know, they, he's no. not expensive. This is a Belichick darling, and I mean, he won them a Super Bowl for Christ's sake. Yeah, and my other point is Cam Newton, who's coming off an injury season and wants to stay on the field. Tell me, he's not going to dump off passes to James White to keep himself on the field to not take that those hits. So I, that's where my whole point is on James White. He, if as long as he plays, he's not really ever finished outside of the top twenty-four. If you look in the last three years, yeah. So now he's a perfect flex guy. Yeah, yes. I just I, the one thing to tag on to what you guys think about Belichick. I think Belichick is probably one of the best coaches in the league, and he knows his talent. He know that when he had Randy Moss, they were a pass happy offense. When they had two stud tight ends, that's who they fed. If they have other people that aren't James White to feed, like that Tom Brady did. Like, I feel like there will, it will be a completely different offense than we're used to seeing in new England. Well, so, it'll definitely be a completely different offense. Yeah, not yeah. wrong, but which is why I'm staying away from it for the most part, but understandable. I can see where you're coming from. All right. So I just have to get to this. Is this our big one? Yeah, I just have to get to it. Uh, so Chris 33 overall running back, Antonio Gibson. Now, 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 before you make your points and oh, whatnot. He, he plays for a Washington football team, if you guys didn't know. Yeah, where I made my miss this week, that entire backfield. I will say I do have Gibson the highest on my interest list. That's no question about that. We've heard what Rivera said. Go ahead. What is What does he call him, Chris? Ronnie Rivers? Yeah. What is, what? Oh, he calls him uh, Christian McCaffrey Light. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey Light. Now, if he was Christian McCaffrey Light in real life, I would be all aboard that. I'd be taking him in the eight round where his ADP is kind of rising to right now, which is unbelievable. But yeah, his could, ADP scares me. He could also be Duke Johnson 2.0. Okay, and I'm I'm happy you said that. So let me uh, let me dive into this one a little bit. So I love Antonio Gibson. The guy is explosive. It's it's very hard to watch highlights of him and not be excited. And I also like. This is a, he was drafted before Zach Moss. He was drafted second in the third round. He was also the second player that the Redskins took. He's also whoa, the whoa, 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 whoa. football team. What? Whatever. The, the Washington football team. The 2020, bro. 2020. Yeah, yeah I'm words. not allowed to say Redskins anymore. Sorry. Our oh, words. Whoa. Our words. Explicit, <laughs> explicit podcast this, this week. <laughs> this is the only running back in this backfield that's part of the Ronnie River scheme. He went out and handpicked this guy, and he has comped him to be like Christian McCaffrey. This is a team that has a lot of needs. There is a lot of things wrong here. This team needs defense. This team needs offensive line help. This team needs a a lot of stuff. And they chose with their second pick in the draft to take a quote-unquote gadget guy. He's very fresh. 
He's very versatile in a system that is desperate for playmakers. And I cannot emphasize the word desperate enough when I say that. And if you also factor in, he's more than just a running back. He can be used as a wide receiver, which they're planning to have him do. They just lost a high prospect in Calvin Harmon, who is now gone for the entire year. I'm not that impressed with Steven Sims. Terry McLaurin is somebody that I love, but he can't do it all. So I just think there's going to be opportunity here. And we know that Ron, we know that Ronnie Rivers knows how to use a running back. And if you look back in 2017, their running back had 135 targets. 2018, 128 targets. 2019, 142 targets. And I'm ready for you guys to come at me and say that's because they had Christian McCaffrey. But <laughs> he's comped Antonio Gibson to being similar to McCaffrey. And do I think Antonio Gibson's Christian McCaffrey? Hell no. Nobody's Christian McCaffrey, but do I think they're going to give him the opportunity? I absolutely do, and I have some great examples. So, Tariq Cohen, a year. He's a similar back. He, this is a guy that doesn't get 100 carries. He was an RB2 in 2018. He had no problem doing that. James White, another guy we just talked about. He's been an RB2 in multiple years. Duke Johnson, I can't remember what year it was, but he was an RB2 for a while. And I know that because I had him in leagues and I was trading him for good pieces back. And I think he got hurt, which muddied that one up. But there, there's plenty of history of running backs like this that don't get 100 carries but are effective pass catchers that finish in the top 24, let alone the top 36. 77. That's a number. 77. You're talking about college. College touches and his college career 77 times the man touched the ball. Well, we know in he's one fresh. season. In one season. Not even that's two seasons. No, I know, but in his in his junior year he caught like 12 balls and, and ran never once. Yeah. had no rushes. Yeah, yeah, it was and he played receiver his entire time at Memphis. Not to mention he only had 77 tar- or touches. This man had to play at a Juco college before getting offered by Memphis because he had personal off-the-field issues. Like, this dude it could be a basket case. Like, if he was that good, I think he would have had definitely more looks in better programs, and, and he would have had more attempts and more targets and just more things that we can go off of. This dude is a straight question mark. Yeah, so CMC Light or Duke Johnson 2.0, I don't know where he falls. He's certainly, like I said, the most interested I am in any of the guys in that backfield, but... I'm not going to put him in my top 36 yet. I don't see him as an RB3 until I see what he can do. And, I mean, my closing statement on him really is, like, I don't like him in the eighth round. I think that's a little bit of a risk, although I do like what he can. I'm not worried with the amount of college touches he's had because, in my opinion, that makes him more fresh. We're in a new age of the NFL where we're seeing majority of the time running backs are going on day two. We're looking in the second and the third round, and this was a very, very deep running back class. I mean, DeAndre Swift is a beast. Cam Akers is supposed to be really good. You had Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You had Jonathan Taylor. You had J.K. Dobbins. These are this was a super deep class, which really I think made him drop to where he went. A lot of teams right now don't really need running backs. I think next year is the year we're going to see teams that need running backs because of the free agent class coming up. So I don't I just I love the explosiveness in him. I'm very excited to see how he pans out, and I definitely think if and I, I definitely think I have him ranked at his ceiling. That's where I believe he's going to be, and that's why I don't like taking him in the eighth round because if you do that, he has to hit his ceiling. I hate taking players like that. Right, but he's somebody that I'm very excited to keep my eye on this year. All right, uh, anything else, guys? Any other uh, points you want to get across? 
I got one last thing here, just to not really talk about with our 36. I just want you guys to kind of close it, to close out the show here, unless somebody else has something to debate in our rankings. I want you guys both to give me one guy outside of your top 36 that you think might make it into your top 36 by the end of the year. All right, that's a good question. Uh, we already talked about this guy a little bit earlier, but I have Marlon Mack as my running back 42 right now, which not very good, but the right case scenario happens or he ends up getting more workload than I think he's going to. He could easily be an RB2 behind that line with that schedule. So I think uh, Marlon Mack's going to be my pick. Uh, for me, I went with one of the Miami Dolphins running backs. That's Mr. Matt Breida. Uh, I think that him and Jordan Howard are going to have a similar of split and timeshare and everything. He never had a lot of uh, running touchdowns or anything in San Fran, but he definitely has that catching ability. And uh, I think that if anyone – he has the chance to kind of take over that role as their starter and maybe jump up a little bit. Yeah, and if we had more time, I would argue with you on how he's not already in your top 36, but I'm going to shock you guys here with mine to close out the show here. My answer of who I think might jump into the top 36 that's not on my rankings, Jarek McKinnon. Really? Yes. I, I, think- I really can't argue against that. It's just, you know, injuries held him out the past few years. He is out of my head. The fact that you said that name like popped in, I'm like, oh, man, Jarek McKinnon. He's looking good in camp. He's cutting. Everything is looking good for him. This is Kyle Shanahan's system that utilizes three running backs on a regular basis. I don't think he goes away from that this year. I definitely, and especially factor in, I mean, I know Jarek McKinnon's not, you know, the definition of a clean bill of health, but Tevin Coleman's not either. So no, And Mostert's getting up there in age, you know. So I definitely, I would not be surprised if we see Jarek McKinnon come out and flash and be what he was supposed to be two years ago. So, but For me, I disagree. I think that San Fran's going to be thrown a lot more and it's going to be more of a two-back system, but I definitely could see the the role with Shanahan using a lot of different backs. And they they paid McKinnon. I know you talked earlier about money doesn't mean really too much of anything. It's not a guarantee of workload, but they really did like McKinnon. They brought him in for a reason. Yeah, I think money means a lot. He just hasn't had a chance to step on the field. Yes, we did. We paid Dwayne Bowe. Hey, we can't talk about moves that Cleveland has made in the past. I mean, I don't mean to piss you guys off here, but come on now. They, they, they've not made some good moves. You guys also paid, like, you know, paid Johnny Manziel. Paid LaCharles Bentley. Like hey, cut that. Cut that out. Dollars. All right. And that takes our running back rankings, and that wraps up our show today. So thank you for sticking around. Thank you for listening. We look forward to coming back next week. Uh, please like. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at HitStickFantasy. Follow us on Instagram at HitStickFantasy. Thank you so much. We love you guys. And give us those ratings on anywhere you get your podcast, please. It's very helpful for us. Peace out, y'all. Have a good night. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw my negative sense into that one.